welcome to our new segment, ASMR, with Josh Pearson. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's the weather? Uh, I have no idea. It's been really rainy lately, though. It's been kind of nice. I like overcast. Um, right now, it is currently 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Feels like 50, and it's uh, been it's light rain and such. Precipitation chance today. 100%. 100%. Mine says 100%. Mine says 51%. Oh, that's tomorrow between 6 and 10 p.m. How about today? It is currently raining. <laughs> that's well, why it says 100% 50 degrees. It's light rain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Oh, man. Okay, so I have a little, a little, a little predicament here that I want your opinion on. A predicament? A predicament, yeah. A, pr- a predicament. There we go, yeah. A pr- predicament. predicament. So, <clears throat> here we go. My work, so you know I work part-time as a independent contractor, 10 hours a week for a guy doing app development. You know that. Mm-hmm. And my job, I have a lot of extracurricular activities, as they say. And so, with my job... And with that and everything, I was getting really overwhelmed and stressed about just like getting everything done. So, which was affecting my productivity at work and just in general. So I talked to my boss about it and I was like, hey, is there any way that I could stop spending so much time in this hellscape? (laughs) Exactly. I basically said, hey, can I just work uh, like 30 to 35 hours a week instead of working the full 40 And he's like, well, let's see what you got. So I basically made a plan that I would work, instead of 40 hours, we got to work 35. I would work three and a half hours in the morning, take a two-hour lunch, and then work three and a half hours after. So I've been doing that for the past couple weeks. Uh, But now he just mentioned today we're going to have like a chat, like our quarterly reviews tomorrow. And he mentioned that, or in his little email thing, he said that we would be discussing that Schedule. Schedule. Hmm. So if he takes it, I'm worried he's going to take it away, take my two hours away, because it has been really nice to be able to work on the app uninterrupted and also be able to like not work for eight hours straight at that job. So my first thought was, okay, if he tells me it's gone, because it, I would much rather have the 10 hours a week job. Obviously it pays more. And everything. I just wanted it's more enjoyable. It's more enjoyable and it helps my career. Um so I don't want I'd rather do that. Like I need to get the 10 hours a week. And so part of me like really just wants to quit <laughs> if he does cut it out. Like if he does say, Hey, yeah, we're actually gonna cut that out, and then I'd be like, Okay, well, maybe I should just put in my two weeks then. Because I originally said, hey, I may need to find a job that lets me work less hours if I can't do 40, or if I can't do 30 to 35 hours. That was what I originally told him. And he said, oh, we could actually probably work something out because I don't want you to leave, is basically what he said. So we'll see. I just. So if they take it away, you need to do what that, what that guy did when I worked at Domino's as a manager did. Um, just randomly, just unexpectedly, he, he just like, he was a delivery driver and he like came in, he, he, he had like 
the people had given him the wrong address. And I don't know what his deal was, but this kid could not handle stressful situations. And, you know, when you find a, can't find a place and you have to take your food back to the store, you're losing money. And it's mm. a little stressful, right? Mm-hmm. This kid yelled, I can't take it anymore, ripped his shirt off and threw it at the wall and walked out without a shirt on. <laughs> you should do that. Wow, what a legend. That's amazing. Seriously. We talked about him for like a year. <laughs> you still talk about him now. I know. I mean, I don't remember what his name is anymore. This scrawny little guy. I can't take it anymore. Just ripped his shirt off and walked out. That is that is awesome. I don't know what would happen. What would my boss do? Actually, when I ended up quitting, I gave my two weeks and ended up only being a one week notice because the boss didn't just didn't need me after that. The, my last day, I jokingly ripped my shirt off. Are you serious? I, mean, I was wearing a shirt underneath, but <laughs> I ripped my Domino's thing off and yelled, I can't take it anymore. And then it was just like, see you guys. It's fun. Did you throw your shirt at the wall? No, I wanted to keep it. I don't know why I wanted to keep it, but I kept it. Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of awesome, actually. Probably in my parents' house somewhere. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, you should do that. You should definitely quit your job if they do that. Well, here's the problem. Here's my thought. Because that, that was my first thought. But after thinking about it a little bit, you realize you're an adult and you have bills. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's one thing. That's one thing is bills. Two is it kind of sound. It was like a very emotional response. Like crap, I don't want this to go away. So therefore, I'm gonna quit. Sucker, power play. You know, like. <laughs> but then my other is my other thought was, heck, hey, it could be a good jump start to like get something else because I haven't applied for many jobs lately, and I've been doing a lot more like angular stuff lately and i have it because i have this guy sitting on my resume it's slowly becoming more and more valuable because the longer i've been there i learn more but also it's like hey you've been here for two years working on this angular app um so i sort of thing yeah so i could potentially work hard at like trying to get a job and it would like force me to because i don't have the money to not work so it's like hey we could really get my butt in gear the other problem, though, is let's say I, because I'd apply to a bunch of jobs. I'd apply to programming jobs, and I'd also apply to non-programming jobs. The problem is, is if I got another programming, or if I got a non-programming job, I'd be in the same boat. Unless I like went in saying, hey, I can only work 35 hours a week. And so, I just, it doesn't seem, like, I feel like I'd be just jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. Um... If if I couldn't get like a better like programming job, or yeah, my other thought was literally just like, oh, what if I just delivered pizzas in the morning and then did programming at night? But and I don't you just want to shoot your face off. Yeah, I would. So, and then you'd be talking about doing something to motivate you to do that, to to get a programming job while delivering pizza instead of working a phone. Yeah. So I just don't know exactly what I want to do because I just am so sick of it. The job is so stressful now because they, they track our numbers so much and they're always harping on us about like, Hey, get your calls up, get this up, get this up, get that up, do this. Oh, you got to do that too. And it's so stressful. Like the whole job is just, I just walk in there. It's just like a ton of stress. I work and then I leave and I'm like, man, my job is the best. You need to get one like it. Seriously. I'm working on it. So that's the thing. So, I don't know because pizza should just, is completely stress free. You should, <clears throat> but I I don't want to do that. That I was mean, kind of a stupid. Thing. I'm not actually. You know what? Do that. We should set a challenge for both of us to apply to uh, like a certain number of development jobs. Six million jobs. 
I mean, that's how many Trump has, you know, brought to America. <laughs> I'm going to apply. No I'm going to apply for all the jobs Trump brought back to America. <laughs> that would be all right, rad, actually. Um, no, it wouldn't. I know. Most of those jobs are going to suck. That's true. <laughs> the vast majority. No, um, we should so so set a challenge though, because I need I. As much as I love being quality assurance, I hate being a quality assurance. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I want to do actual development. And so I've been, you know, trying to, now that I know how freaking easy the basics of Angular are and how much I love the way that it sets itself up, I want to do it like full time as a job. So let's do it. Let's, let's get some jobs. Let's going. start a company, um, get some VC money, become billionaires. I'm pretty sure those are the steps. I yeah, yeah I, let's, I'm let's just, do development. I'm just a little bit. So that's my first thing. The problem though is that <clears throat> because of my f- current financial situation, I would have to go. I'd have to leave my job on a Friday and then start my new job on Monday. <sighs> so, may, I mean, maybe I could survive a week, but that's like a super. That's super that's, risky. That's mega hemorrhaging. Yeah, and I don't want to do that. But, yeah, it is probably better to die of paper cuts than die of a hemorrhage. Yeah. So keep getting those paper cuts, man. Yeah, the problem though is it's just everything else is going to have to get thrown on the black back burner. Yeah, the, everything would have to be thrown on the back burner. Yeah, because I, I got those two hours, which was awesome. And I only worked an extra half hour and got two hours of programming out of it. And a break in the middle of the day that long is just sublime yeah it was awesome or it is awesome so i don't know and i could be uh and it could be him just like we're really liking this your numbers are up good job <laughs> yeah, yeah and you're I, just freaking out over nothing i doubt it though because he's talked to me specifically about him i just i just realized that i'm just not good at this job like i'm just not good at it so you just say that right now your life kind of sucks so yeah i'll probably just honestly i'll probably just keep going but I'm. Um, Let me I know think, if you need me to take care of your gun for you. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but I, we should seriously like really set some challenges for job applications. Yeah, challenge for job applications for like coding hours and just like things like that, just Absolutely, so we can I make agree. sure we get it. Because like being coding, like even if we're doing our own projects, just knowing that both of us are working on like a code project. If we're just like sitting in the same room, just working on code, our own things is really like, for some reason, it, it helps. helps me work I mean, harder. I mean, when we when we were longer at the at the library, not the library, the institute coding, the first time that I ever actually like sat down and coded consistently every week, that helped me a ton because we were somewhere isolated a little bit, and because you were working on something, I couldn't just be like, "Yo, you want to go do this?" Because I'd feel bad about not doing something. So, I, that actually did help me learn a lot. Yeah, so, so I think if we like that, that'd be pretty cool. got a little bit more... I mean, the thing with Mike helps. We need to, yeah. we need to follow up with him and get another sesh. That's true. It was oh going to be gosh, Saturday. I just used sesh unironically. You did. I'm, <laughs> oh I'm a little gosh. bit disappointed in you. Anyway, that's the longest, <clears throat> suckiest update ever. Yeah, so we'll see. I'll report back. I'm well, really... Actually, it's going to be won't. super funny if it's just like, doing a good job, Nate. Like, we can see you trying harder. <laughs> He does. But you really do need to step it up a little bit. It's so weird because it is like that. Like he's such a nice guy, and it's all coming down from the top. Gives you like a five dollar gift card to Coldstone. <laughs> like his, I know that it's his boss that's giving him 
a lot of trouble about things. It's not it's not just me. Like for some reason, our whole team because there's two teams in this uh, in this department, and only our team for some reason is going through the ringer. Like everyone is just like, holy crap! I don't know if I can do all this. Like I don't know if we can hit these numbers, and I don't know if anyone's actually hitting the numbers. And we literally like oh, we were we were playing pool with someone from the other team and i was like oh i gotta get my calls in or else i'm gonna get fired and he was like <laughs> oh that's awesome and then me and the other girl who's on our team were like no like seriously that's what they said <laughs> and he's like really <laughs> it's just this team for some reason is so intense and it's not our boss because our boss is nice he's a nice guy i really like isn't him isn't it a concrete building yep <laughs> gosh <laughs> okay sorry that's it's it's the, his joke. boss that is just i don't know it's he's ridiculous. gotta be in his bonnet yeah it's really annoying. So, I don't know. We'll see. <clears throat> okay. What do you think about the name TickWatch Pro? I don't know what the TickWatch Pro is, quite frankly. Well, it's a smartphone. Well, it's a smartphone. It's a smartwatch. Um, so, it's actually has some pretty rad tech in it. And the reason why I want to talk about it is it went on sale um, 20% off the other day. So, it was 200 instead of 250 And... I almost bought it like right away because this smartwatch has a battery life between two and 30 days. Goodness. Why, and, is, why is such a big range? Because it has two screens. There's the mm. normal touch OLED screen and then they have another one above it. So there's two screens and the one above it's like an e-paper screen. Hmm. And so you can have it run on essential mode, which is the e-paper screen and it does its thing right it's just very minimal battery life it can last up to 30 days on that mode or it can run on power mode normal mode which is android wear i guess it's called wear os now yeah wear os and or you can do maybe it's essential mode is i can't remember there's one mode yeah, where it's, it's smart mode and essential mode i'm just looked it up yeah, one of them there's there's one mode you can turn on that can get you up to like 5 days of usage where it just contextually knows which screen you want to use and switches. Yeah. So it's power so the smart mode powered by Wear OS by Google beautiful AMOLED display 2 to 5 days of battery life and then you switch over to the other one it's essential mode fitness focused watch with high sunlight readability and up to 30 day battery life. Yeah, and that's dope. Hmm. So my brother has one. He got one a while ago. He got his for like 200 or 150 or something like that. Uh, cheap um, compared to, comparatively, and he loves his. Hmm. And I think that idea of the two screen thing is really awesome. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Cause like the it says it says LCD screen and AMOLED screen, but it looks like a paper. E paper. Yeah, like yeah. The, what they use the Kindles. It probably is the same tech because if it says. Uh, let's see. If it says high sunlight readability, I mean that's basically e paper. The e the e ink screen is definitely what that is. Yeah, the e ink. That's what it's called. <clears throat> it's pretty cool though. Um, initial thoughts. It's it seems like a good idea that I would be interested in. I don't love the design. Well, some it's of not them, gorgeous, but oh, wait, it's not they have, ugly. They have different ones. Um, they only have the TickWatch Pro in one design. But they have a bunch of other tick watch ones that have up to two to five day battery life. But it is it isn't the dual screen. Yeah. Setup. Cool idea, actually though. I mean, at the same time, like it's not like the Apple Watch is super pretty either. So 
Honestly. Honestly, not... if I had like a regular smartphone with a dual screen sort of thing, I'd be okay with a little bit heavier phone, a little heavier, thicker screen to have, you know, a six day battery. Yeah. Sure, it's not bad. It's pretty cool. Anyway, I... what would you do? Or what tech would you want to have that sort of screen set up with? Uh, do you think that would be something you could, you would be interested in using? Um, I mean, I think it would be most useful on a watch. Yeah. Because it almost allows you to have, I mean, it allows you to have an always-on display, which the Apple Watch doesn't, because it would be nice. Really? Apple Watch doesn't? It does not have an always-on display. Ever? Never. There's no option for it. Nope. And so it would be nice huh. to just have like just the time unless you lift up, you know, your wrist. Because there are some times where I'm just like working and I just want to be able to look at my wrist and like see the time, but I can't because yeah, it's on. So I have to tap it or I have to like raise my wrist or whatever, which is fine. But there are times where it would just be nice to be able to see the time. That's interesting. I think that would be the most because there are times when I like go running or something or whatever where I would like to just see certain things. <clears throat> um yeah, I don't think it would be super useful on a phone because most of the time my phone's in my pocket. I'm just then... mostly thinking about camping, like not having to worry about turning my phone off or turning it on at certain times. Because like camping, the reason why I take my phone is because I want the, the backup map and GPS. Oh, yeah. And if I'm intelligent with my phone's battery, it can last me like four days and no problem. And even then, I wouldn't even use that long if I don't have service. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of a cool, cool idea. Mo Mobvoi. How do you pronounce that company? I name? have no idea. It's M O B V O I. Mobvoi. 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 My boy. My boy. I have no idea. I I just know of the Tick Watch makers. Oh yeah, here they here's the other ones. Tick Watch S two. Yeah, they have a ton. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. It's a smart watch maker you've never heard of. True that. There's a lot of them that I haven't though heard of. Though that tech, though, it should have made them more heard of, but people don't. The smartwatch market's pretty niche. Yeah, it, it is. It is, for sure. Anything more on that? No, that's that's all I have. It's a pretty niche market, kind of like our next topic. <laughs> so, you want to hear something funny? I was talking to a friend today, and I said... I said, oh, because we passed a nursery. We were driving, and we mm-hmm. passed a nursery, um, like a plant nursery, not yeah. like a bunch of kids. <laughs> and, <laughs> I want some of that. And I was like, huh, I wonder if they have any, like, little trees. And she's like, oh, what are you looking for? And I was like, I'm looking for, like, a six-inch Japanese maple. And she's like, oh, bonsai, that's cool. And, like, we've mentioned bonsais before. But when I said, how did you know that I was into bonsai or that me and Josh are into bonsais? And she's like, oh, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've talked about him before, but you, she said something like, you struck me as a bonsai person. That makes no sense. <laughs> and I was like, what's Let, a bonsai? Let's think about this. Because here's the thing. You're a programmer. You're in a band. You have long hair. Bonsai? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Because like the thing, when I think of bonsai person, I think of just some weirdo, who, some dude who's like Either- in his mid-40s. Who just has like a it's no like hobbies a except more, for trees. It's like a more bougie neck beard for anime. Because yeah, bonsai is yeah. a very Japanese art. It is a very Japanese art, and yeah, it's weird. 
And I was like, that's weird. Why do I put off? Because I think of like people that are really into bonsais, they kind of come off as weird to me. It's like the the frameless square glasses. Yeah. And they always wear a button-up shirt. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's weird that I'm putting off bonsai vibes. Because that is just not what I want to be putting out there in the world. <laughs> I do like bonsais, but it is it is weird. I guess I mean, you don't have a bonsai. Well, you kind of do. Yeah, so <clears throat> speaking of my work, they it was like Earth Day, plant a tree day. Maybe it was Earth Probably Day, Earth day mid mid April. Yeah, it was Earth Day, and they just they were giving out trees. So I got a little tree. It was literally a little spruce, a little spine, spine, a little pine with six inches of pine tree. And then six inches of roots right below it. So it was just this long, like, stick thing. Um, and then it just had, it was put in a plastic bag and then stapled with a little, like, cardboard thing that, like, said had a water How in it. How much plastic was it? I have no idea. How much plastic? Yeah. I don't know. Was it, how much was it, was it wrapped in plastic? Because that's a pretty cruddy Earth Day gift. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, here, have a prepackaged tree for Earth Day. <laughs> Have some more plastic. <laughs> yeah. I didn't that's even actually think about that until you just said it. But yeah. It's anyway, that's pretty rad though. I was a little, honestly, I'm pretty jealous of it because I just have my jade tree. So I did plant it uh, in a, just a pot because obviously you can put bonsai in pots. And, uh, but it's growing. I was surprised. I was wondering if it was just going to die because it's got to be just like a cheap, like, oh, uh, we'll sell you a hundred trees for $10. You know, that type of just super cheap yeah, just crappy. Most of their like, cost was the plastic it came in. Yeah, kind of just like the gimmicky, like, hey, Earth Day work and sort of yeah, we're working. Have a it's like snow cone. Some really enthusiastic salesman came by and be like, hey, you guys are having an Earth Day coming up. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's actually growing. I looked at it the other day, and it has like some new buds growing. New one of the buds. the longer uh, or the lower um, limbs is like growing. Like, there's just one of them. It's just super long. It's just <laughs> awesome. I don't know. So it's kind of cool. I, uh, I've i never actually had, like, I like bonsai. I've done a crap ton of research on them, but I've never had a tree that I could actually start growing as a bonsai. So I'm just going to let it grow for a while and then trim it down and get it back to, like... Bonsai size? Yeah, more like shape it. I'm just letting it grow right now because the stress of, like, being in a, <laughs> in a bag <laughs> and, like, you know, just being repotted and being really small and little and stuff. So I wanted to get some roots and get some... Get some mass. Get some growing and going. Yeah, before I start tinkering with it. So I want to get to the point with my little tree. Because I've had, I've had this one now for three years. This is the jade? This is the jade, yeah. Is this the one on the windowsill? Or is this no, different? No, that one? is a... Okay, so I have a problem. <laughs> so I'll trim leaves off of my jade tree. And I'll just leave them there because I feel bad about throwing away, like, fresh leaves that I've trimmed off. Because they're thick. Because it's a succulent. It is a beefy leaf. Yeah. And I feel bad about just tossing that because I it's like it, it's a it's a leaf. It's sad. But then for whatever reason, it turns out that jade trees are like crazy resilient mofos. Like <laughs> these leaves, if I just let them sit, will grow roots and turn into a new tree. So I've so had to multiplying like rabbits over there. Yeah, no kidding. I've had to like stomach throwing away freshly cut tree, trimmed leaves. <laughs> Because the one that's on the windowsill came from a leaf that I felt bad for. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I should take one of your leaves and just try it again because I killed mine. 
I mean, I don't know how you kill it. It's like the hardest thing to kill. I just left like, it I'm out. I'm trying to kill it and it grows more plants. I left it outside because I lived in the basement when I had mine. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, probably too cold at night or something. Yeah, and I think I killed it that way. It just started looking Could terrible. have also gotten a bug from being outside. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because they don't grow naturally outdoors anywhere but like San Diego or South Africa. Yeah, because I was trying to just get it more sunlight because I lived in the yeah, basement, yeah. and then I left it outside for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can have the one on the windowsill. That one's doing pretty good. It's two years old now. Check it out. Just because. It just yeah. it just needs to be repotted, and it's good to go. But yeah, so I've I've been... I, I need to give mine a little more care and attention because I've been ignoring it for a while, and I want to get to the point because with the jade tree, if you're following its climate that it would grow up in, which is South Africa. It's a South African native. Um, there's a rainy season and then there's a dry season. If you follow strictly a, a water, a watering cycle similar to that, it will bloom in the spring. I guess that's mm. that's the fall here. And it'll bloom and it'll turn blood red um, mm. at the end of the dry season because it's when it runs out of water, it turns red. Mm. And then it starts to get smaller and shrivel. And then if, but only if you're following the water watering schedule strictly, if you just don't water it for a while, it'll turn a little red around the edges, but then just shrivel. But if you, if you're following the water cycle, you can get it to just completely turn red after the season and then completely turn like bloom. And I want to make mine bloom, but I've tried it two seasons in a row now. I don't have a good enough watering schedule and I've gotten it to kind of tint a little red, but I can't get it to bloom. It's pretty cool. And it's like a long-term goal, long-term project, and it's not easy to remember. Yeah, that's cool. Though. That's the hard thing about bonsai is it's it's not like a six months and months and done. It's not a one and done. It's not a week and you're good and you have a cool, satisfying result. It's a years of progress. Yeah, some of the trees that I've seen that have been pretty small. It's like, yeah, this took me 15 years. <laughs> it's, it's like, wait, like, what? It's as big as I don't like have a kids ball. when this thing looks decent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a grandpa before this freaking has. Yeah. yeah. And like to me, my favorite bonsai trees, because I'm not like, I'm not a huge fan of succulents. Yeah. Um, I. I just like tree shaped trees. Yeah. <laughs> Where like, I don't know, like I really like the, uh, I mean, my favorite one is like the cherry blossom or yeah. peach, like a peach oh bonsai. Gosh, Cause a banana those... bonsai. So adorable. Oh yeah. Banana bonsai. That's pretty sick. I love the ones that like, have the really pink flowers and then leaves like a little bonsai yeah. with a bunch of like little leaves. I just think those are so cool looking. So I want to do, I think the next one that I want to do in this, uh, climate, like where we live in Utah would be a Japanese maple because they sell them. they can survive okay in Utah. Yeah, supposedly they do pretty well here in Utah. And so I want to get one of those, but they don't sell them small enough, at least at the nursery that I went to a couple weeks ago. They did have one that was a... Like a kerbopple? It was called a tailor because they have a bunch of different like varieties of, of the, the jade trees, or not jade, Gus, the uh, Japanese maple. So they it's had like one super that was dark, right? called a, yeah, so some of them are really dark and they're like, they have all of their leaves are like a really, really dark maroon and their bark is like black. I don't love those ones. This one was called a Taylor Jade, or gosh, why do I keep calling Jade? A Taylor Japanese maple and the leaves were like a light pink <clears throat> Oh, that's and cute. the bark was kind of light and man, it was so cool looking. I want to do like, it's really hard because Aspen is like... Oh yeah. It's a crowded, it's like a forest tree. 
Like they're all con- connected, so you need a lot of them. I want to do something like that. So I might, maybe I'll look into like a birch bonsai because they can survive by themselves and they look pretty similar. They're a white bark tree. I don't know. Bonsai's rad. Like, I would rad. love, honestly, the, the hard thing about bonsai is when you really get into it, the re- and the reason why I chose a, a succulent as my first, because succulent's an indoor tree. Yeah. Is that most trees, most bonsai require outdoor time. Mm-hmm. And like they need to feel the climate or they die. Yeah. The Chinese elm is another one that people said that you can grow indoors. So I may try that one as well. Yeah, that'd be nice. It's like your pine, you'll probably keep it outdoors all year round. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be strictly outdoors. It's going to be my outdoor one. Because all of the ones, you, there's only a couple that you can grow inside. <clears throat> like some of the succulents, like a jade tree, the Japanese oh, or the Chinese elm that I mentioned earlier. But other than that, like that's basically it. And so if I want anything that's remotely interesting to me i mean the 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 chinese elm is pretty cool i would have to do outside so i just gave up on having the perfect bonsai inside a house dream i didn't oh man because my my little jade tree is just succulent man (laughs) you know what's weird i feel like we do a couple nerdy things i kind of consider myself a nerd kind (laughs) of a nerd like i do some nerdy things but I think bonsai is probably the one that's like kind of the embarrassing the most because it's so random. Like you, you like, oh, you play video games. Okay, yeah. I, I don't play a ton of video games. Like, oh, you play D&D. Okay, yeah. There, there's a lot of people I that play d and I think d the is the one that I'm the most ashamed of and I, we don't even play it anymore. Yeah, I for some reason, just bonsai just comes off as so weird to me because it's so random. I don't know. I feel like bonsai says a lot about someone's character more like in its positive things like they're patient they pay attention and they know how to care for something like that i think most like things that are kind of nerdy and shameful are things that are like lazy yeah i guess that's true like sleeping until noon like that's probably i'm a little more ashamed of doing that some days yeah i guess that's true it just comes i guess it's not because it it is it's kind of a zenny type thing for some reason (laughs) i mean zen gardens are bonsai and so i guess that's true but it just does seem so weird to be like oh yeah i like bonsai trees or like i eat like- bonsais and i've done like hours and hours of research <laughs> I've, I've read an entire book on bonsai <laughs> and i learned nothing from it and read it twice <laughs> yeah so i'm just yeah i don't know comes across as weird to me but hey embrace the awkward embrace the awkward smother it <laughs> become one with it <laughs> I am definitely one with the awkward turns out we are doing this <laughs> <laughs> now we want to get on to our our uh, homework and this is going to be the last time we call it homework right yeah we're switching it up we're going to kill homework because we don't believe in school Schools we don't believe in we, public school is for the week public idiots <laughs> just kidding <laughs> the week <laughs> Both of us were homeschooled. We should actually one of these days talk about homeschooling. We did. We did? Yeah, it's one of our lost episodes. Oh. We should just edit that and throw it up. One of the lost episodes. You're right. Was that the one that we... That's totally the one where we talked to the cops, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. We should should do one of those one of these times. Yeah, maybe we should. Not. Just kidding. Actually, that would probably... We should be a little more consistent the next couple weeks before we do that, because that might just make us forget about the podcast. True. 
So we reason behind this, and I'll have Josh introduce what we're going to do, is that we... So we had a couple different ideas on like cool things we could do, like little segments, little like kind of things we could do. Um, so we have we have homework currently, and we wanted to do some like long, bigger reading assignments, I guess. Yeah, we were we're we're interested in and in kind of having a more. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that we can read that is longer than what we could do in one episode. And that was kind of the idea behind it is we wanted to read something a little more lengthy or even be involved in something a little more lengthy and talk about segments of it. And yeah. then – because, I mean, we, we, that one talk that we talked about and, and honestly today's homework is likely going to be long. Yeah. And we want to help break it up a little more, especially when we have like a literal book we want to talk about. Yeah. So – because I think it would be – I personally want to read more. And not just like articles and interesting like talks and stuff or interesting or watch interesting videos, which have been good and I've really enjoyed them. But I want to make it a little bit more or we can organized. Yeah, organized and something that's a little bit more long form. Like you were saying, like where you can go over something and read about a certain thing, like topic and go in depth on certain parts of it and like take it in sections, like you said. And not feel like we're overkilling a specific homework. Yeah. Um, so that was the first idea that I was like, Hey, what if we did that? And it's kind of a unique idea. I think, um, <laughs> it's something that not very many people do. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting <laughs> it's taking something that, you know, is long, like a book, breaking it up into sections where we talk about a portion of it and like reading it as a group. Sort of yeah. Thing. Yeah. I've never even heard of anyone doing that. Yeah. We're pretty hipster. Yeah. So anyway, do you want to unveil the name that we're going to call this segment? I do. I do. Um, this segment, which we'll be doing probably every other week or every so. Every other week, yep. Um, will be volumes a la mode. <laughs> so <laughs> this section, homework, was soon to be replaced by volumes a la mode. The current volume that we will be discussing <laughs> is, <clears throat> it's a little thing you may have heard of called the Constitution mm-hmm. and the William of Lefts. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Yeah. And it's just a book club. Yeah, just a book club. We wanted to make it have a super, like, stupid, bougie name. So we picked Volumes a la Mode. But it's literally just going to be a book club. Um, and yeah, we wanted to talk about the Constitution because we're both pretty political. Yeah, and I haven't read it in a very long time, and I don't think I've ever actually finished the entire thing. Yeah. I've read an, a summary of everything in it. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to read the whole thing because there's a lot of amendments. But we'll talk about the the main Constitution, the original Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. Yep, and um, that's over the next few probably two months. About because it'll it'll probably take us. I don't want to promise how long it'll take us, but it'll take us. Oh, we're going to gonna cut it. it up into sections. Yeah, because it's volumes all the mode. Oh, so I didn't even think about that. For some reason, I thought it was going to one a one-way thing. Oh, no, man. I want to talk about the Second Amendment for like days. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we should do it. Okay, here's, here's what we could do. What if the first one was just the ba- – do you want to do the basic comp- the basic Constitution I think as one section or do you want to break that up? I think we should break that up too because when we get to the section about the individual branches of the government – Oh, yeah. That's gonna be. 
That's true. Man, I didn't even think about that. This this could end up being... <clears throat> Welcome to the political podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Joshua. <laughs> why, don't, why don't we just we're say just, this? Because it's not very long. Just read the full constitution, just like just as the it was written. Not just, the rights, just the constitution, nothing else. And we'll talk about part of it. And we'll talk about whatever, like the first... We'll talk about something interesting. However much it. we feel like. Yeah, exactly. And then we'll probably do a little more intelligent design because we believe in that and and tell you more specifically what to read for the next volumes a la mode yep 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 let's get to the homework uh let me pull up the talk so this um was a well why don't you introduce it? this is your thing so this has got to be my favorite speech ever given ever by anyone this speech talk it's devotional i've given at byu in like 1977 or something like that 1974 i think 19, somewhere in the 70s by neil a maxwell at brigham young university i think it was just a regular old devotional so it's called but for a small moment yeah. Um, and I listen. It's actually pretty long. It's like 40, 45 minutes long. It's a long. full-blown devotional speech. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that, but I mean, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I listened to it and followed along. It's um, kind of a brief summary synopsis sort of thing as he talks about um, – so he breaks it up into um, sections uh, or, or things that we – oh, what? how does he call it? He introduces right in the beginning – so he talks about the implications of two things and realities that, that that we have. And then he also goes into depth of pitfalls that we might come across in mm. life that make us fail. There were tons of them. And he had uh, eight, nine, ten, something around there. And basically this talk is a how to stay happy, motivated, and on the path sort of thing. Hmm. And this has legit... Like, this talk ha- helped me a lot on my mission when things got rough. There, it, that I listened to this talk probably a couple times a day when things were the, the hardest for me, and it like helped a ton. Like I listened to this talk and be like, you know what, I'm doing good. I can actually survive this. This is not that bad. And then you know times when I've been I, li- I sometimes listen to this just to kind of a reminder of um, don't get into certain traps sort of thing because it's it's, mm-hmm. it's just a talk about warning and, and stuff so yeah do you want to do we want to dive in yeah let's do it so one, one of the things that he says right off the bat is um that he wants to talk about the implications of two things we accept sometimes quite casually these reala- realities are that god loves us and that loving us has placed us here to cope with challenges which he will place before us so uh, what do you think about that yeah, so I like that it says that there are particular challenges that we face in life, and that is like part of the reason we're here. Like so many times, people think, "Oh, you know, if there were, if there were actually were a God, and like a bunch of other stuff, or then why would this happen? Why does why? God allow suffering if He actually exists?" Exactly. Yeah, that that's a great way to sum it up. And I just think like, but. We all know that spoiled brat who had, gets everything he wants and is just a terror to her parent, to his or her parents. Miserable in the wrong, long run. Yeah. and Miserable for everyone around them. Yeah. And it's just like, 
if, I mean, God obviously knows that about us as well, that if he just gave us every single thing we wanted, we would be that spoiled brat. And so he gives us these challenges and you see people who have just, who go through the most insane things in this life and they just have the most amazing character, you know, and just like you think about the, um, there's a Ted talk given by a guy who was like a triple amputee or something like that. Maybe yeah. he was a quad amputee. I don't remember Dang. his life, like changed an eye blink and he was basically not a shell of the person he used to be and he's all about staying happy and he is like super positive and it's like you think about like if i were in that position i'd have no hobbies all of my (laughs) hobbies would be gone all of my hobbies would be dead yeah and like hobbies help you stay happy like my career can't type on a keyboard when you don't got no hands (laughs) like like you think about it and it's like how are they able to stay happy and it's the same as true like with with life in general like where am i going with this i don't know it's it's the the kind of the idea that god knows what makes us happy and he loves us and bad things don't necessarily make us unhappy yeah it's and just he talks like, about that a little bit it's like the idea of like giving your your kids chores or homework for you know when they school they they go to they have homework that they have to do and like forcing your children to get outside of their comfort zone to help them grow and become adults because they can't be yeah. kids forever. And yeah. it's the same thing that God does the same thing for us to help us like become we're children adults right now. Exactly. And so many people think, well, I'm an adult. I have, I have done all of my learning. And so therefore, like, why is this bad stuff happening to me? Yeah. And, I, I love yeah. the idea that, that it's because like that, that bad things happen to us is evidence of God's love for us. Yeah, like exactly. you think about it, and that seems a little a bit of an oxymoron initially, but when you really look at it, like feeling bad helps you enjoy the good better, mm-hmm. and and you think about like when you take a step back and try to view things at a bigger perspective. Like this whole talks about that, like viewing things with a, a, a further back perspective, a, an eternal perspective, mm-hmm. and. With that perspective comes understanding of bad things are so short-lived compared to, like, everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like how he starts out just outlining that bad things happen because God loves us. Yeah, I like that. What was the first thing that you you outlined or whatever? First thing I underlined uh, was actually in the second section, Lessons of the Atonement. Yeah, that's my next outline is the first paragraph of that. Yeah, mine is actually the third. I have one in the second paragraph of that section as well. Dang, dude. You're, oh, wait, maybe it is the second. Hold on. Yeah, it is the second. Yeah. So, um, Why don't you do yours first? I'll do my, the first one. So it, it just starts off saying, Christ on the cross gave out the cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That cry on the cross is an indication that the very best of our father's children found the trials so real, the tests so ex- exquisite, and so severe that he cried out, not in doubt of his father's reality, but wondering why at that moment of agony that Jesus felt so alone. I found I found that very, very interesting that like that that line actually made me think a lot on my mission of like, why am I what, like this sucks so much right now? The hard times in my life suck so much. But I wasn't Jesus and he went through worse things like that. That That's kind of what that makes me think of and helps me kind of have more humility in my suffering, I guess. 
Yeah. Kind of knowing that someone else has been there and suffered way worse. They were there and went deeper. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that person who, I don't know. Yeah. You yeah, hear I about just, you hear about crazy <clears throat> stories about people that go through insane things. You know, you're like like that, that story about the amputee guy. Yeah, you're like, whoa, okay, well, you know, I sometimes get stressed while I'm at work. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> it's like, like I have wow, a crappy okay. job right now. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I know, I know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just really like that. Um, what did you, what did you mark next? So mine, mine's actually kind of long. Well, not super long, but it's that. I don't know if you have the same. Or you probably don't. Mine is a PDF. Um, but I just literally copied and pasted from the website into a doc. Oh yeah, okay. Well, then they're not going to line up at all. So mine just says we may at times. Hold on, let me. Gosh. I have this highlighted too. Oh, you do? Okay, good. We can talk about it. So it says, We may at times, if we are not careful, try to pray away pain or what seems like an impending tragedy, uh, but what is in reality an opportunity. We must do as Jesus did in that respect. Also preface our prayers by saying, If it be possible, let the trial pass from us. Uh, by saying, uh, by saying, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt, and bowing in a sense of serenity to our Father in heaven's wisdom, because at times God will not be able to let us pass by a trial or a challenge. That was horribly read, so I apologize. But I love this point. This, like, th- I, I, you think about there's so there's two things that can come from praying about trials in this way. The first one is if, you know, thinking hypothetically, if all you're doing is praying, please, 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 please don't let me lose my job. And you know that you're going to lose your job. Like it's coming. Like that's all you're praying about is don't let this tragedy hit me. When it does hit you, you're going to feel betrayed by God because he let it hit you. And you're going to have focused on it so much that you might might not necessarily have been preparing for it. And... It's just going to be an overall just a horrible experience. But if you're praying, you know, if it's thy will, please let this not happen to me. But if it's thy will, thy will be done. And like you think about it, like that changes your perspective and your attitude on it, bad things and helps you realize that maybe it's for your good and can help the healing process happen way sooner. Like just from a psychological perspective, like how you approach tragedy and bad things. Like if you're recognizing that they could happen and it could be what God wants for you, then it can help you find a lesson in the tragedy sooner than if you just hate it and don't want it. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, kind of going along those lines where it says, like just at the very beginning where it says, we may try to pray away the pain, which seems like an impending tragedy, but, which in reality is an opportunity. And it just goes back to that idea that trials are supposed to help us grow and that they're actually given to us so that we can grow and become better and more happy. Like, quite frankly, trials make us more happy once we get through them. It's just like that stupid programming project that I worked five hours on. Found the answer in five minutes or We're two given seconds. The answer. <laughs> yeah, I was given the answer by Mike, who actually looked at the code and helped me out because he's much more experienced. And the five hours... I don't even, like, I was like, yeah, that was five hours wasted trying to fix this bug, but he helped me out, and now I'm just like, feel great about the project, and yeah. So it's like similar things, where we go through hard things, and when they pass, we just feel, like, more on top of things. Um, And also, going back to what you were talking about, about changing your perspective, I feel like if, if someone is really trying to 
you know, we say a lot in the church and in just religion in general that we're trying to become like Christ. We're trying to be more godlike. And if we are like actively saying, I don't want this to happen. Please, 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 don't let this happen. Don't let this happen. Don't let this happen. It's kind of childish. Yeah, it's kind of childish, but it's also taking our um eyes away from or it's let me let me try it. It's not allowing God's perspective in. Yeah. Being able to see like, okay, God, like whatever happens, God's in control of it. So instead of like trying to pray like this trial away, I'm just going to say, you know what? This is what I personally want in the moment, but I'm just going to say, you know, whatever you want though, because you ultimately know best. And I think that takes a lot of faith to get to that point where you can say, I want it this way, but you know, whatever your way is, I'll accept it. Yeah. Um, and I that's what I get that's, from that paragraph. I mean, the entire purpose of prayer is to align our will with God's. Um, it isn't to align God's will with ours. Mm-hmm. So like praying, please don't let this happen, is trying to force God to do what we want. When in reality, we need to be aligning our own ideas, our own wills, our own beings with that of God's. We need to become like him, which means we need to be able to view things like he does. And so that that's one of the reasons why I also really like the phrase, praying with the phrase of like, help me see this as thou seest. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that kind of brings it in, like it takes it a little one step further of, you know, if it be thy will, take this from me. But if not, thy will be done. Um, it takes it once a little step further than that to help me understand if it does happen, why it happened. And I, I, I don't know. I really like that like perspective. It. That's that sort of, um, it, 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 it helps us kind of step back from the tragedy or the bad thing and helps us try to analyze it as a, why is this good for me? Yeah. And I, I think, like that. I think it's really hard for people. I it feel like so hard in this, especially in the last couple of years, I've just seen, and maybe this has been going on forever, but I've just been noticing it that this. I feel like there's, it's so prevalent in the world that it is, this is the way I am, so you have to conform to me. Or this is the way I think. This is the way that I, you know. I don't like this, so it should stop. Yeah. I don't like this, so you conform to me type of thing. And and everything is very, like, selfish and, like, yeah. And it's I love dividing. This, yeah. And I love this idea that is, like, no, I am actively trying to. Unify. Yeah. Actively trying to not actively trying to conform to something that you think is better instead of, you know, cause like becoming like God, becoming like Christ and saying, you know, he's better than me. So I'm going to try to be like them instead of this is how I am. So everyone should, you know, I mean, make it's me kind better. of, it, it's kind of a reminder of the foundation of our religion is, you know, Christ, that Christ is the root of everything that we do. Like he is our religion. And so recognizing that in the hard times and recognizing that, that Christ is our religion, that we need to be come, becoming like him means that we need to be perceiving things like him. And it's the hard times is when it's the most difficult to practice that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I really like this as a, just a gentle reminder that that we need to be becoming like Christ. Even when things are hard, we need to be trying to become like Christ. Yeah, and then just a little farther down, he says, it is because he loves us that at times he will not intercede as we may wish him to. Just going back to that um, 
just that, that idea that, that trials are like an opportunity to grow. And then it also says that that too, we learn from Gethsemane and from Calvary, just that that happened to Christ too. You know, he said that same thing, like, yeah, if it be that will, like take this away from me, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't highlight anything for another like five or six paragraphs. My next section uh, is a little bit ways, a little bit down a ways. Well, that was horribly phrased, but whatever. A few paragraphs on. Yep. Uh, let's see. It says, I should, yeah, I read, <laughs> I read this like a week ago, a week and a half ago, and marked it up and stuff, and now I have to like read it to, to remember what I was thinking of. So here we go. This is a mystery for me too, or a... Surprise. So you're says, learning with us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I should like, therefore, to speak to you on the premise uh, that, it, that it is a part of discipleship for us to be prepared for the kind of rigors that Jesus always leveled his disciples. He said, my people must be tried in all things that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them, even the glory of Zion, and he that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of my kingdom. That is hard doctrine. That is a very hard doctrine. He literally says that is hard doctrine. <laughs> <laughs> and just the two things that stand out to me are um, my people must be tried in all things that they may be prepared to receive the glory that I have for them. Meaning that the glory, the things that God wants us to ultimately have, trials prepare us for that which means that if you if if you don't have trials you're not going to be prepared for the amazing happiness and glory that God has for us which is something that I've never really thought about before um i mean obviously you think yeah trials make you get better but like you really like won't be able yeah you won't be prepared for it if you don't go through some hard stuff I really like the the next point that he makes. Um, he talks about so this isn't not my highlighted area, but just going on with this, he says um, that Peter Peter didn't want us to take any credit upon ourselves for the suffering we endure because of our own mistakes at all. And it says, you know, First Peter two twenty. He paraphrases. He's willing to see us take credit for the suffering we endure because of discipleship, but not because of our own stupidity or our own sins. Hmm. And I kind of like that 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 idea that that even uh, we're all mortal, fa- fallible people. We always make mistakes. And if we make a mistake and learn and grow from it, we shouldn't be like, oh, man, look at what I just grew from because we're stupid. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea of, like, don't take credit for being stupid. Like, you learn and grow from being stupid, but it's not something to brag about. <laughs> <laughs> but some people actually do. Um, that, that is an actual struggle. It's a temptation for everyone to, to have – a difficulty like, for example, overcoming credit card debt. Oh, yeah. That is a big mistake that you made. You got yourself into that debt, but getting out of it, like you're taking credit for taking credit. Kind of ridiculous. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Saw the opportunity I couldn't resist. Um, and yeah, so I actually like that. I, I totally missed that when I first listened to it. But yeah, that's that's interesting, actually. Yeah. Anyway, so my next um, highlighted thing is is the second half of the next paragraph. Um, let me see. Okay. What therefore may seem now to be mere unconnected pieces of tile will someday when we look back take form and pattern. We will realize that God was making a mosaic. For there is in each of our lives 
this kind of divine design, this pattern, this purpose that is in the process of becoming, which is continually before the Lord, but which for us looking forward is sometimes perplexing. I really, really like this. And he's also got such a way with words. Yeah, he does. I love that. Like, we will realize that God is making a mosaic. I, I love that idea that that even the little trials and struggles that we have don't make sense. Like, maybe at one point in, in, at one point in a life, um, we have all these things that just seem to pile on. And it doesn't make sense. Why are all these happening at once? But like months down the road, you can look back and just go, wow, kind of having one of those moments right now. (laughs) My gosh. I love this talk, man. (laughs) This talk's amazing. What are your thoughts about that? I think... I think, yeah, kind of what you were saying, it, it it pulls us out of the now, the here and now, which I think it's so easy for us to fall into it because it's so... Now? Yeah, because we're so human. We, we have bodies and we're like in this like world and it's so easy to get caught up in it because it's, you know, we're experiencing it all the time. Um, and just being able to every once in a while, just step back. And that's, you know, why we're supposed to pray, you know, why we're supposed to read our scriptures, why we, you know, we attend church and why we kind of do these gospel centered things is it so we can be taken out of the world and actually see what is happening. You know, there's so many interesting thoughts, interesting things that I've, or ideas that I've had or, or, or things that have come from me taking a step back and forgetting like the here and now and yeah. And you know, like what, with the thing about the mosaic, just all the crazy things that happened to us were like, man, why the heck is this happening to me? And all this stuff. But when you step back, you can see, Oh, okay. It was to get that, you know, shade of upper lip or whatever, you know, like whatever the mosaic is of, you know, um, shade of upper lip. Talking about Napoleon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and just where like, it sucks in the moment, but in the end, you look when, back you, and, when you see it fully, you're just like, wow, that's actually pretty amazing looking. And I think that's going to be our lives, you know, with the ups and downs and the craziness of it all. I think that's, um, it takes something that can be bad and terrible, like, and turns it into something really like cool looking and nice. Positive. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just life in general. You know, even the most horrible things that have happened in the history of the world have led to some incredible good like you you look at it's kind of a horrible example but world war ii you look at the horrible things that were happening there and just the good that came from the heroes Mm -hmm. like is is incredible like you see the same situation that draws so much horrible terrible awful things um if the right people has has brought such good things and um not not saying that we should purposefully be jerks and, you know, do terrible things so that other people will do good things. Like someone's got to take one for the team and be awful. Like I'm not saying that. But but like the idea that, that even horrible things like that can have so much beauty in the good is is pretty pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, when, when, when's your next highlight? 
So my next, I'm trying to think, I think uh, most of the other things that I read or highlighted were just his points. Okay. And just kind of the, well, there were a couple of things actually, but yeah, it's, it's kind of further down. So, um, so he's, he, after, after this section, he gets into the traps that we might fall into. Um, so he, he, the section is traps impeding the ability to meet challenges. Um, I love the story he tells of this young man. And I'm just going to read it if that's okay. Go for it. So recently a young man was called to his Nineveh. The president of the Salt Lake Mission Home, President Rawson, told Sister Maxwell and me that not too long ago a young man came in on a Saturday to the Salt Lake Mission Home and said, President, may I see you? The president said, Surely, son, come into my office. He came in and said, I need a blessing. Why do you need a blessing? I need a blessing because I am the only member of my family who is a member of the church. Yesterday when I went to leave home, one parent told me never to come back again, and the other wouldn't speak to me. And the only person who said goodbye was my little brother who came to the front gate to say goodbye to me. I am on my way overseas, and I need a blessing. And he goes on to say, Brothers and sisters, that is the kind of devotion we must have in preparation for the Ninevehs of our life to which we are called. However rigorous the circumstances are, we must, as this young man did, be willing to go, to trust, and to surrender ourselves to our Father in Heaven, who knows why in His divine plans it must be so. Hmm. I just really like that story, because that, like, you think about it, he doesn't actually resolve this story at all. So, to in our eyes, it's just, could you imagine? I, I mean, back this is back, you know, in the 70s, the missions were completely different. When you were called on a mission, you went to the Salt Lake Mission Home and reported, and then they sent you on your way, and you had fun. Like, good good luck on your mission. You're going overseas. Um, you're going to meet a couple people over there that will help you. But but even then, like, that that would be truly terrifying to be like, you know what? I'm going on a mission. Never come back. Never come home. I never want to see you again. Like, that would be and, – and, and the, the, all he – he's and, and the faith that he has is a blessing will help me and goes on his mission. Like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I like that story. Yeah. I didn't think about that, actually. Just the idea that what... Because, yeah, I guess when I first read that, I assumed that it was kind of a... was kind of a, hey, look at this guy's faith that he left his family. But it seems like what you're saying that I didn't think about, but his, his... What he's actually saying was, this is super hard, I need a blessing, and then everything will be okay. Yeah. Type of thing. It it, it just kind of changes the the thing just a little bit, and I kind of like that shift. That yeah, I do like that story. So, I really like his third trap, and his second trap. Oh my gosh. Um, what did you highlight next? Just all of the traps, basically. I highlighted the traps. There's a couple things that I liked down lower. Um, that we can talk about once we get there. Let's talk about the second trap. Um, okay. We've already kind of brushed on the third trap. So the second trap, let's see, it says, a second trap into which we can fall is the naivete. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm just Close enough. Um, that grows out of our not realizing that the adversary will press particularly in the areas of our vulnerabilities. I really like this next little bit. It ought not to surprise us that this will be so. The things that we... I lost my eyes. 
The things that we would most like to avoid, therefore, will become the things that confront us most directly and most sharply. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Yeah. I, How I, could this happen to me sort of thing? Yeah. I think it's interesting that he's going through all of these, these, uh, these trapped, and it's interesting that he's, I don't know, this whole idea that um, there are tough times and there are certain like modes of thinking and certain things that we do that hinder our ability to get through tough times. And that's what he's talking about. Or that's what, those are the traps, the, the things that we do that are not helping us. But that one is really interesting. I've never really thought about that. I love the little example the, he gives. The, that Satan is specifically, he Targeting knows. Targeting what we don't want. Yeah, because he knows what we don't want. He knows what our weaknesses are and all yeah. these things. And so he's specifically like trying to make sure that those are particularly potent. Yeah, like I love this story, this history lesson he gives. Um, I'm just going to read it because it's it's awesome. Some of you may recall that the British military planners who built the Fortress of Singapore, which was supposed to be invincible, fixed the guns of Singapore so that they would fire only seaward. The Japanese very cleverly came from behind on land. Churchill and others were stunned that the citadel and fortress had fallen so quietly and so simply. Some of us have guns that fire only in one direction. We are vulnerable, and our vulnerabilities will be probed by the vicissitudes of life. Wow, that word. <laughs> One of the great advantages of life in the church, in which the gospel is at the center, is that we can overcome these vulnerabilities. That otherwise, we shall be taken by surprise and swiftly. I really like that point. Just the, the idea that that um, if we're not well-rounded in the gospel, that we're opening up ourselves to even greater trials and being overcome by them. I think we do do that a lot we kind of we tend to have like kind of themes or things that we, like we tend to focus on a lot mm -hmm. and while that can be helpful sometimes it's not, it's good to kind of get a perspective it's it's different i had a, a an institute teacher that he said the talks in the church that are probably the mo the best for you are the ones that you didn't like or something like the ones that like didn't jump out at you or whatever because the ones that we really like are ones that like we gravitate to naturally ones that we're like oh I love that because I think like this or like I preach sort of yeah thing. like a preach yeah go gospel like or uh, our Elder Oaks thing that we did yeah exactly where it was things were like, like we obviously really strongly believe in the stuff that he was saying and so that talk was really good for us but there are other ones that we just totally dismiss because they're like, yeah. nah, there are even sections that. of that talk that we totally dismissed. Yeah. And that we talked about in the podcast and we're like, whoa, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so I think sometimes it is nice to take a step back or and just specifically learn about, read about, think about something that you normally wouldn't or yeah. just to try to become, like you said, more well-rounded in, in the gospel just in general or just in general. It doesn't even have to be gospel-related things. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the fifth trap? Let's jump down. And fifth one. It's the trap of self-pity. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like this one. Also because he has some good lines in here that are just clever. Anyway, a fifth trap and a major one is the trap of self-pity. One man has said that hell is being frozen in self-pity. 
Indeed, at times when we think our lot is hard or when we feel ourselves misunderstood, it will be so easy for us to indulge ourselves in some feeling and feeling some self-pity. A contrasting episode comes to us out of ancient Greece. Several hundred Spartans were holding the pass at Thermopylae. Right? Thermopylae? Thermopylae. That narrow pass, and the Persians came in overwhelming numbers and urged the Spartans to surrender. Hoping to intimidate them further, the Persians sent emissaries to the Spartans, saying they had so many archers in their army that they could darken the sky with their arrows. To which the Spartans said, so much the better, we shall fight in the shade. It's rad. <laughs> that is a red line. That is rad. I I love this idea though that if we're if we're you know, we gotta be like the Spartans, like there's horrible things coming or horrible things, and we cannot pity ourselves for them. Like can you imagine how quickly they would have just been slaughtered if they had just been like, Oh man, this sucks. What yeah. are we even doing here? <laughs> if we have the worst lives ever. <laughs> like we're gonna be fighting in the shade of Arrows. <laughs> yeah, and this one was particularly, mm, what's the word? Poignant. Poignant, potent to me, because I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like I'm kind of a depressing person. Not a depressing person, but... Yeah, you make everyone really sad around <laughs> I know. No, but like, <laughs> even the music I listen to, a lot of like, the things the that I... you write. Yeah, the music I write, the, the things that I gravitate to are really just sad and just kind of depressing. I'm kind of a melancholy person at times, and so... There have been times where I've just been really just like, just kind of had a lot of self pity. Just like, man, this is Life the worst thing me. ever. Life Why do sucks. I have to deal with this? Exactly. And I've noticed that as I've gotten older and as I've studied, just become like more gospel learned, I guess, uh, the the amount of time it takes me to get out of those pity parties is way yeah. faster. And I love the antidote. He gives, and also because he has a little bit of play on words. He says, now, brothers and sisters, the disciple has to be ready to fight in the shade of circumstance. One of the many ways in which we can have perspective that will help, that will permit us to fight in the shade of circumstances is to read the scriptures and have involvement intellectually and spiritually with the case studies in the scriptures of those men and women who have coped and coped successfully, who have undergone far more than you and I are asked to undergo. Um... My next highlight isn't until the seventh trap. Do you have anything before then? Um, well, yeah, I just want to briefly touch on this story that I thought was interesting in the sixth one. So the sixth trap, which is you fall, is a trap, uh, let's see, is the trap in which we sense that something special is happening in our lives but are not able to sort it out with sufficient precision and clarity that we may articulate to someone else. <laughs> that was, that was kind of long. It's wordy. <clears throat> it is wordy. Um, but he tells this story about, he basically says, if you, if there were, uh, it was a room with, what is it, 15,000 mothers in it, and you were told to walk into it and find your mom. It you would could, take a little bit of time, but you yeah, do it. you could do it. You could do it. It would take a while because there's 15,000 people in there, but eventually you'd find your mom and it would just, it'd be fine. But he said, but. But if I said to you. Yeah, but if you if you were to stay in the other room and describe your mom and then have me go in and try to find your mom by your description, there's no way I could do it because the little nuances and the little things and like that our brain can see um 
and so the whole experience would be different. And so I, I don't know. I just thought that story was interesting. There's that perspective of there are things that we That's why we're so in need of the spirit. Yeah. I don't know, just that we are I don't know. We're like individuals. We we have our own things going on. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But there is actually something that I marked in here that I'll read. I'm pretty sure it relates to this somehow. If not, then I'll segue, come up with some some flashy segue. There are simply moments of uh, mute comprehension and of mute uh, certitude. We need to pay attention when these moments come to us because God often gives us the assurances we need, but not necessarily the capacity to, to, to transmit these assurances to anyone else. Which is an interesting idea and something that I've never thought about that we can have almost like gut feelings or like just like just kind of a general sense of this is what I need to do, but I don't know how to tell you that I feel like I should do it, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. So, yeah, I feel like I felt that kind of just that idea like this is the direction you didn't move in. I have no idea why. I can't explain it to you, but I just feel like I should so I'm gonna go that way and it kind of fits into that I guess yeah anyway anyway seventh trap um a seventh trap brothers and sisters is that some of us neglect to develop multiple forces of satisfaction I love this point this this idea is fantastic this kind of goes along with the the having your guns and pointing in one direction I think it totally well. does, um, but Keep it's going, a little more specific to ways that we deal with trauma. Um, I'm just going to read it, and then we can talk about it. Um, when one of the wells upon which we draw dries up through death, loss, or status, disaffection, or physical ailment, we then find ourselves very thirsty because instead of having multiple sources of satisfaction in our lives, we have become too dependent upon this or upon that. How important it is to the symmetry of our souls that we interact with all the gospel principles and with all the church programs so that we do not become so highly specialized that if we are deprived of one source of satisfaction, indeed we are in difficulty. It is possible to be incarcerated within the prison of one principle. I love this idea. This this idea that that it's that, that we should not have all of our eggs in one basket, so to say. Mm-hmm. That that we shouldn't be drawing like specifically when it comes to drawing for satisfaction in life. If all you're doing is focusing on only just one thing, one source of happiness, one goal that brings you joy, and life just suddenly decides to cut you down, you're done. Like yeah. you have nothing else and you're gonna be empty for a long time. Like I think this is an excellent advice an excellent bit of advice that's incredibly important for us to, to have multiple avenues of stress relief, multiple avenues of joy. Like th- this is why avenues of testimony I'd say. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's special. I mean, he talks about that specifically. Like if all you're betting on is like testimony specifically, if, if your only source of testimony is one prophet or just, just the church in general, when the church does something you don't like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You have nothing left. And like that's why it's important to have a well-rounded testimony of the Savior, a well-rounded testimony of the Book of Mormon, a well-rounded testimony of the prophets, and a well-rounded testimony of just your interactions with God himself. Mm-hmm. And, and so like it's – it protects you from when things cut down temporarily even like – 
if you lose faith in one person temporarily, your whole life won't come crumbling down because you have other avenues of faith. Also, going back to whatever the other principle was about that this, the adversary is going to harp on certain vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities that we have, that if 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 you only are a, you know one trick pony, I guess to say, <laughs> like the adversary is going to see that. And he's going to want to exploit that the best he can. He's going to cripple so that he can pony. bring down the whole horse. This, is, this metaphor is getting away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Just break that horse's legs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that he can he can drag you down way quicker because he knows that, you know, he's playing, you're playing Jenga and he just, he needs that one thing and your whole thing's going to be tumbling down. Yeah. Don't play Jenga with life. <laughs> yeah. Don't play Jenga with your life. Oh, man. Yeah. That, that was one that, when I read it, I was like, huh, that's actually interesting. I, cause I, I feel like so many of these, one of these things that's interesting about this talk is so many of them, when you first read them are like, that's kind of random. But then as you read about it and think about them, you're like, oh, that's actually really interesting that he would point that out. And he's just bringing these little, just, I don't know, these little, uh, thoughts and just kind of, you know, things into into my brain while I was reading this. So that was one of them that like really struck me as like, that is, I never would have thought about that. So I like that one. Dang. I just read a little ahead a little bit and found another one that I, I really like near the end. Anyway, what, what else do you have marked? Um, yeah, this one, this one kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, but the eighth one was, he says, eighth chapter we avoid brothers and sisters it is a tendency we have rather humanly, rather understandably, to get ourselves caught in peering through the prism of the present and then distorting our perspective about things. And then further on, he says, it is very important that we are not, wait, hold on very important that we not assume the perspective of mortality in making the decisions that bear on eternity. I love that. That's such a good line. Yeah. Just, just going back to the, just us like being in this world and thinking so much in terms of like the day to day grind and things that if we can take a step back and look at things more holistically, it allows us to make better decisions and just, I think it also calms us down because we get so like freaked out or stressed out about whatever's going on, this, this, and that. And then we just realize, oh, wait, you know, that doesn't actually matter. And I think that that thing, the the thing about uh, important to remember that we are not to assume the perspective of mortality and making the decisions that bear on eternity, that you shouldn't be rash or make stupid decisions just based on do we the have, here and now. Do we have time to read this um, Lester Allen um, talk that he gives the Alan analogy. I can't remember that at all. It's so, the, yeah, do it. it's, it's just continuing this idea of perspective. I, I like this analogy. Oh yeah. I see what you're saying. So I'm just going to read it verbatim. Um, I should like, if I may share with you on this point, the fine writing of your own, a Lester Allen, a Dean and scientist on this campus. This is what I have come to call the Allen analogy about time. Let me read you these lines, if I may. Their application will be obvious. Dean Allen writes, Suppose, for instance, that we may imagine a being moving within, moving onto our Earth whose entire lifespan is only one one-hundredth of a second. 10,000 years for him, generation after generation, would be only one second of our time. 
Suppose this imaginary being comes up onto a quiet pond in the forest where you are seated. You have just tossed in a rock and are watching the ripples. A leaf is fluttering from the sky and a bird is swooping over the water. He would find everything absolutely motionless. Looking at you, he would say, In all recorded history, nothing has changed. My father and his father before him have seen that everything is absolutely still. This creature called man has never had a heartbeat and has never breathed. The water is standing in stationary waves as if someone had thrown a rock onto it. It seems frozen. A leaf is suspended in the air and a bird has stopped right over the middle of the pond. There is no movement. Gravity is suspended. The concept of time in this imaginary being so different from ours would give him an entirely different perspective on what we call reality. On the other hand, picture another imaginary creature for whom one second of his time is 10,000 years of ours. What would be the what would the pond be like to him? By the time he sat down beside it, taking 15,000 of our years to do so, the pond would have vanished. Individual human beings would be invisible, since our entire lifespan would only be one one-hundredth of his seconds. The surface of the earth would be undulating as mountains are built up and torn down. The forests would persist but a few minutes and then disappear. His concept of reality would be much different than our own. That is the most clever way I have seen time and intimations intimations of eternity dealt with. It is very important that we not assume the perspective of mortality in making the decisions that bear on eternity. I yeah. love that story. Yeah. Why that, you like that it? analogy. Why do you like it so much? I really like it because it kind of helps you draw that perspective that that well, the teaching that, that eternity is always before God. Like that, that scripture that says that says that all time is before God at once or all eternity is before him. And that we as mortals deal with you know, the now and time is only relevant to us. Like you, you think about perspective of God, who is a being that's been forever and will be forever. And our perception is from birth, not even from birth, a few years after birth to current state. And it's a flawed one at that. Like you think about it and like, it helps you kind of, this analogy helps you kind of understand the difference between how we perceive a loss of job for a year versus how God might perceive it. Like a loss of job for a year can be dangerous for us because we have to provide for ourselves. But if we're able to survive it and we generally are able to survive it, like 50 years later, it's a non-issue. It's nothing. It's it's gone. Mm-hmm. And to God, it's it's he already sees us as we will be and as we were as the same. And, and... I don't know. I just like this analogy because it helps you kind of understand God a little more um, because he is like that giant that, that to him, everything is all at once for us, which is our entire lifetime sort of thing. I don't know. I, I guess I just really like it because it's interesting. It's an, it's a philosophy sort of thing. Sometimes I, cause I, I get pretty nervous and stressed pretty easily. I've come to realize. And something that I've done every once in a while is when I'm stressing out about something in particular or trying to make a decision or whatever it has been. Sometimes I think, is this, whatever I choose here, whatever I, whatever happens or whatever, whatever the outcome of this particular thing is, is it going to matter in five years? Am I going to even be thinking about this at all? And I think, I mean, it's the similar thing as this, what this story was just, Again, taking taking you out of, I think that's the major theme of this talk and how to be happy is it's literally just not living in the moment. <laughs> yeah, the thing though is like there are some things that require you to live in the moment. And so 
like having a long-term perspective is an is a must for most of the difficulties in life. But for the, the requirements of like, for example, if, I don't know, because it can kind of go both ways. If, if you're taking this, this perspective too far and it's your one trick pony, yeah, then you're going to be missing out on many opportunities. Like for example, if we, start trying to only think about how or where we'll be in 10 years, like probably not going to be doing a podcast in 10 years. So might as well not do it. Yeah. Like you gotta be, you gotta have the entire perspective of the now and the future to all in one. Yeah. True. I, I kind of like that. Uh, he, he, I mean, he kind of touches on that. He does elsewhere in this speech for sure. But, um, we can't assume the perspective, like dealing specifically with decisions that bear on eternity. We can't have the perspective of the mortality. Mm-hmm. Like anyway. Yeah. My next bit is right before the end of the talk and that's all I have left. Same. So, what do you have? Um, mine's a little bit before the end, a couple paragraphs up and it says the gospel of Jesus Christ is specific, uh, because God cares specifically for each of us. And caring for us will mark the way carefully lest we fall out of happiness. A vague creed is fitted only for a vague God. We have a Father who loves us specifically and gives us things to do, and because he loves us, will cause us at times to have our souls stretched and to be fitted for a better world by coping with the life with life in this world. Can we just talk about that one line? A vague creed? is fitted for a vague God. I, that's what I, um, I highlighted. I love that. I love, 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 love that. That is just such a rad quote. Like if I could like, and I can, maybe I will write that and pin it somewhere where I can see it all the time. (laughs) That, that quote bears so much meaning behind it. Why? Good question. Let's dive in. So like, you know, you think about it, a vague creed, what is a vague creed, right? That's, that's, that's kind of like a, a generic, let's do a good job sort of thing. Like yeah. super vague, like let's mm. do a good job. Okay. How do you do a good job? Why do you do a good job? Like, and you think about specifically dealing with God, like if your testimony is shallow and vague to the point of just being a generic, like if all your testimony is, is do good to other people you're going to struggle when things get rough. Like, do good to other people. Why? No one's doing good to me. Like, that question is not answered by a vague creed of do good to other people. But if you take Christianity and go further with that, with with, with do good to other people because you don't know what they're dealing with and they might need that help and understanding, like, the whole gospel and how it revolves and how it works because we have a specific God and a specific gospel. It really can help with the trials and the struggles that we deal with in everyday life. Like you lose a job and you, you can no longer financially support other people and you can no longer give gifts and be generous. If you're vague in your life about what you want, you can't do that anymore. And that makes you miserable. And I don't know, I just, I just, there's so many things you can talk about with this because it, it's a pretty broad, it's not vague because it's pretty specific in what it says, but it's, it's, it's pretty encompassing. Like this idea of a vague creed is fitting to a vague God. 
I think for me, um, what sticks out is kind of a little bit including what he says above versus the gospel of Jesus Christ is specific because God cares specifically for each of us. Um, and caring for us will mark the way carefully lest we fall out of happiness. And it makes me just think that, you know, that whole question of why me or whatever, like, why is this happening to me? These specific trials that we're going through, but it's almost as if life is kind of tailor-made for each or uh, each of us where it's, yeah. I mean, obviously I, I don't think God is like specifically saying, <laughs> okay, there's like this that. trial and then this trial and this trial. I mean, it's that, that cartoon I like so much of God's plan. And it's just like a create universe B create man three, give Steve a tumor. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not like that specifically. It isn't like that, but he knows that we're each going to have unique, like, trials and problems and so he kind of helps us guides us in certain different ways and prevents problems allows different problems and all of these things to slowly basically allow us to shape ourselves yeah i mean you think about it and it's like god makes a mosaic of our life in that he created the outline for our life and the the structure and the 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 field the playing field but we retain our agency and it's how we act in trials and how we act in the good times that creates that painting for God. So I like the I, this idea that, that um, if we are drawing close to God and aligning our wills with his and, and become trying to become like him, we are allowing, that's our agency, allowing these misfortunes to make us better. They are opportunities. And in that way, we are, God might have his hand over ours as we make the painting, but we are painting our own painting. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that 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 analogy we were using the other episode? Um, I feel like, it'll, it, what was it? It's super funny. The broccoli one? The broccoli one. We, we're all carrying a piece of broccoli, <laughs> painting a painting. Yeah. And, and we create a masterpiece only because we have God's help. Yeah. And, and you can slowly turn that broccoli into a paintbrush. I guess. Or just have really cool broccoli look broccoli shaped paintings. It's true. People do paint. Actually it'd be probably pretty difficult to have a broccoli shaped painting with a broccoli paintbrush. <laughs> anyway, that's too much broccoli in our show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I just really like that idea though, the just the, the idea that it's our agency with God's that makes our destiny. Yeah. And and cool. we are the masters of our own happiness and he gives us like Elder Maxwell gives us and God gives us the outlines and the ways to which we can make our disaster of a life <laughs> have meaning. <laughs> like God gives us meaning in that he has allowed us to have a savior, right? And it's a part of a plan. But if we are ignoring that destiny and that plan, we don't have any meaning in our lives and it's our fault. Hmm. Yeah. I'm getting thirsty. Yeah. We should probably wrap it up. Probably should. This has been our longest episode. Has it been? Even even longer than Oaks? 105 minutes. Oh, dang. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so outro is um, don't forget volumes a la mode next week. Just read the Constitution even just you could probably be safe with only reading the first half of it honestly yeah but i'll be reading it Nate will be reading it we both want to refresh on it 
Yeah. Um, might help with some Facebook arguments in the coming weeks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and then you can also contact us on the website, midnightstrollpodcast.com. Uh, send us any feedback through the feedback form. And uh, if you do, we'll talk about it on the show. Yeah, we'll, unless you tell us not to, we'll legit read it out loud. Yeah. And you can be famous to all the listeners, mostly you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. It's probably just you. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. I'll see you next week.